Welcome to the Everyday Conversion Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Sievercrop, and I am just like you. I'm busy with work, family, kids, church, and a million other responsibilities. And honestly, some days I miss my personal scripture study and prayers. And some days we as a family miss our scripture study and prayer. But I'm trying. So if you're not perfect in living the restored gospel of Jesus Christ, but you're trying, well, get along great, and this is the place for you. Five days a week, I'll share a brief episode, often based on the Come Follow Me curriculum for that week, that I'm using to have daily conversations with my kids, whether we're on our way to school or on our way home or if it's real quick before dinner. And you're welcome to use them to do the same with your family or your personal study. Just know that the views and opinions I share are mine alone and do not represent the official doctrine and viewpoint of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Now let's jump right in with today's episode. When the Savior told Peter that he would deny him three times, it's almost an understatement to say that Peter was taken aback. I mean, he loved the Lord. He'd given all that he had to follow him. He'd foregone his business. He'd, you know, perhaps given up friends or family to follow the Savior. No doubt he'd probably experienced the same prejudice and contempt that Christ had experienced because he was there with him. So when the Savior told him this, you can understand a little bit his surprise and maybe his little bit of defensiveness. You know, in in Mark chapter 14, verses 29, uh, starting verse 29, it says, uh, you know, this is after the Savior says that all ye shall be offended because of me this night. And it says, Peter said unto him, although all shall be offended, yet will not I. So he's like, look, you might say that everybody's going to be offended, but I'm not going to be. I am here with you. I am 100% with you. And it says, And Jesus saith unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this day, even in this night, before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. But he spake more vehemently, If I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. And it says, Likewise also said they all. So Peter basically says, I'm not going to do it. Like, I will die before I deny that you're the Savior. And yet, he did. (laughs) And But before we get to where he did, I mean, I wonder if the Savior's comments to him were still ringing in his ears and stinging his mind and his pride a little bit when he alone was the one after the Savior left the garden, when the captors came to take him away, it was alone. It was it was Peter alone that pulled his sword and tried to defend the Savior, cut off the the ear of the high priest servant. And obviously, the Savior healed the man and and told him to put away his sword. But he was determined. It, it almost seems like he was trying to prove something. He was trying to prove that that he did love the Savior, and that he wouldn't deny him, that he wouldn't leave him. And it's important to note that when the Savior was taken away, it was only Peter and probably John, we don't know who the other one was, but probably John, that went and followed him. 
the rest of them left, which the Savior told them to do, so you can't fault them for that. But he followed. He stayed there. He wasn't afraid. This wasn't a fear thing. He wasn't afraid of what was going to happen to him. But he still denied him. You know, he was asked three times, hey, hey, weren't you with, weren't you with this Jesus guy? No, 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 I, I, I don't know this man. And it's important to note that he's not saying that he doesn't believe he's the Savior. He's just saying that he doesn't know him. He's, he's saying that he's not connected to him. And I think the moral of the story really with this is, and I, I appreciate this moral, Peter's human. You know, he's like any of us. He has frailties. He has faults. He trusted a little bit too much in his own abilities and his own strengths rather than relying on the Savior. But I think there's more to it. And for this insight, I'm, I'm uh, indebted to Elder Bruce R. McConkie in the Doctrinal New Testament Commentary because this is where I, I was, this was brought to my mind first. But if you think about it, less than two months later, Peter, who had very forcefully said in verses 68, 70, and 71 of Mark 14, I know not this man, very forcefully. I mean, it says that he cursed and he swore, which doesn't mean that he cussed. It means that he swore an oath that he didn't know him. He vowed that he didn't know him. This same man, less than two months later, stood before literally thousands of people and said these things. I picked out a couple verses here. This is an Acts. Let me jump forward to this here. Peter said these things. Here's a, here's a couple of verses. Uh, chapter 2 of Acts, verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. That's pretty bold. Then you jump over to ver chapter 3. And in verse 13, it says, The God of Abraham, and of Isaac, and of Jacob, the God of our fathers hath glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer be granted unto you and killed the prince of life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And his name through faith in his name, er, and his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. So this is when they'd healed somebody and they were asked about it. And he basically says, look, you guys wanted the, the same Jesus that you wanted killed. The same Jesus who Pilate was ready to release and you said no. You said you'd rather have a murderer. That same Jesus hath healed this man. Faith in that Jesus hath healed him. So, I mean, that again, pretty bold. Like he flat out says, you guys are murderers. You killed him. And then finally in Acts 4, verse 7, it says, and this is after Peter and uh, John are arrested. So they weren't happy with them for saying this. You know, so Peter knew. Peter knew that his he was putting his freedom in jeopardy by saying these things, and he, and he did it still. And once he's arrested... It says that the, the priests and the Sadducees and the high priests and all these people came to them 
And they said, uh, by what power or by what name have ye done this? And it says, then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, ye rulers of the people, the elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done in the to the impotent man by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I mean, he flat out just like he's staring Caiaphas, the high priest, or Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas and, and these others in the face and telling them, the man you crucified is the savior of the world, and he is the only way you can be saved, and that is the power by which we healed this man. I mean, <laughs> this is the same Peter that two months before two maids in the temple courtyard had denied that he knew of Christ. And now he's standing here before the high priest, the man probably most responsible for Christ's crucifixion. And he's flat out telling him, not only do I know him, not only do I believe and know that he is the savior of the world, but you killed him. It was your fault. I mean, if that's not a 180, I don't know what is. I mean, Peter made a ridiculous 180. And in these last verses, we find the reason that he did so. At least I think so, and, and this is what I learned from Elder McConkie. In verse 8, it says, Peter was filled with the Holy Ghost. Pentecost, the day of Pentecost. The difference was Peter now had the Holy Ghost. He now had the companionship of the Holy Ghost, the companionship of the member of the Godhead that Christ said he would send when he had left. The member of the Godhead who Christ said would teach him all things and bring all things to his remembrance and leave him comforted. You know, that would make sure that he was not left comfortless. That was the difference. And that's a powerful lesson for us to realize the power of the Holy Ghost. The benefit of the Holy Ghost. That it can take a man from denying that, Jesus, that he knew Jesus at all, to standing before the very people who caused him to be murdered and accusing them and pointing the finger at them and saying, this was your fault, and he is the Savior, and he is the only way that you or I or anyone can be saved. So I want to finish by sharing a, a quick quote from Elder McConkie where he talks about this. He says, uh, talking about when Peter, Peter uh, um, denied him, he says, Peter was not yet the man he was to be. 
He says, For about fifty days hence at Pentecost, he and all the saints were to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Perhaps then the great lesson to be learned from this experience of the chief apostle is this. If men are to resist and overcome the world, if they are to stand valiantly in the cause of Christ, if they are to be faithful and true in all things, they must have the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I don't think it can be said any any plainer than that. And this was a major, for me, a major realization as I prepared this lesson. I'm so grateful that Elder McConkie pointed that out to me because I had not tied the two together. The gift of the Holy Ghost allowed Peter to stand before thousands and testify of what he knew to be true. And as importantly, it allowed him to stand before the most powerful people in the Jewish nation and the ones that were responsible for Christ's death and testify of the Savior's divinity. So two questions for you today. And, and by the way, I have all the links to the, the scriptures that are referenced to, to Elder McConkie's uh, Doctrinal New Testament Commentary, so you can grab that. Um, it's on Amazon. I mean, get it there. All of that is available at everydayconversion.com forward slash 075. Two questions today. Number one, what can we learn about humility and not trusting solely in our own strengths from Peter's denial? And number two, how can the Holy Ghost help us remain faithful and overcome trials and adversities in our own lives? All right, that's it for today. Now, I know, I know you want to hang out with me longer, but we both have a ton of things to do today, including living the gospel and trying to be like Jesus. Cue primary children singing. I'm trying to be like Jesus. But hey, if you want to get the links to everything we talked about today, you can find it on the episodes page of everydayconversion.com. You can also do cool stuff like subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast listening platform, sign up for email notifications of new episodes, and connect with us on social media there. It's kind of like a virtual church library without the militant librarians or a piece of paper to sign out your three tiny pieces of chalk for your lesson. Also, just remember, I do my best to make sure my opinions are in line with official church doctrine, but they are just that. They're my opinions. For official doctrine and viewpoints, I recommend you go to churchofjesuschrist.org or comeuntochrist.org. 